0: good morning everyone good morning. Uh, it is so good to see you today it wasn't too long ago that i was here worshiping with you and uh, i enjoyed that experience and uh, and to be honest with you since i've been in the rocky mountain conference i think i've been to this church uh probably four maybe five times and so uh, i've had a chance to be on the receiving end a lot of love and, uh, and uh, just acceptance. I know uh, this morning was another opportunity before I could even walk into the door of the church, I was greeted by uh, two greeters that were really warm in more ways than one. <laughs> so June, I don't know where you are, June, but uh, June was there and I think the guy's name was Dan. Was it Dan? I don't know. He He greeted me. And uh, then I eventually made it in and got greeted some more. And Karen told me, she says, I'm not playing today. Joe's playing. So uh, I get to hear Joe play today. And last time I was here, Karen was playing. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, thank you so much uh, for giving me the opportunity to be able to come back to a place that I love. And uh, yeah just elsie i don 't know where you are. Thank you for helping get all the bulletin stuff that that I was supposed to get to you. Dwight and his team uh, have helped with the audio visual and i don 't have any slides today, so uh, bear with me uh, sometimes I do have slides, but most of the times i don 't and uh, Bill, thank you so much for helping me to know where it was in the service and uh, and yeah just it's it 's really good to be here. Now, as we think about where we are in the year 2023, we're on the second Sabbath here today. It's hard to believe we've already uh, been through a few days of this new year. And if you know anything about the month of January, uh, it's normally the month that uh, people talk about uh, uh, change. Uh, Yeah, Uh, how can change happen in your life? And I was just with somebody this week that goes to a workout facility and they work out and they told me how crowded it is in the early weeks of January. Uh, but then, for some reason, as time continues, the crowd dies down. <laughs> so, uh, but anyhow, when we think about change today, there's lots of things to think about. And I just want you to know today that the sermon is definitely going to give you an opportunity to actually look at something. In your own life when it comes to spiritual change and so I need your prayers today thank you uh, Bill for praying already and our heart does go out today to the Minnesota conference Uh, he was just newly elected not too long ago and I just saw him also in Carolina this week and uh, boy it's just a shock isn't it and some of you probably heard uh, this week you probably maybe you know uh, the Christiansons maybe some of you don't uh, but The Christiansons, a couple that went to the Longmont Church, uh, that's the last church they were attending that I remember them at, uh, they died in a car accident in Longmont this week. Um, Both of them died instantly from what I understand. And so, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be alive today. So, uh, God is good, but my heart does ache today for those that are not, uh, didn't make it or not doing so well. And so uh, today I want to have another word of prayer, and during that prayer, uh, yeah, we're going to have a special moment of silence, just to pray for somebody that you know that may be struggling right now. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the privilege and honor to be back at the Fort Collins Church. Uh, I've always uh, loved this church, and I know my wife has also, and we're grateful for the people Uh, that make this church what it is. And Lord, as we think about this Sabbath, the second Sabbath of 2023, uh, we realize, Lord, that uh, there's all kinds of needs uh, this morning. Bill has alluded to many of them, some of them written in the bulletin. And uh, Lord, I just want to pray, especially today as Bill prayed for the Minnesota Conference family, uh, knowing, Lord, that, uh, yeah, their president, their leader is no longer with them. And this happens uh yeah sometimes uh, these shocks happen we the christensen family uh yeah alan christensen and his wife lord this week i think her name was sherry um yeah just just quick stuff uh, you see a person in the next moment you don't see them so lord i guess one thing that we want to take from all of this is that we must not we should not take things for granted and so, uh, Lord, just grateful that you've given us today. Help us to live it to the fullest because we have no guarantee that we'll have uh, tomorrow. But we're hopeful. We're optimistic uh, that we'll have tomorrow in many days until, Jesus, you come and you take uh, your your loved ones, your, your, your uh, people of faith home, Father, those that have died in the faith, uh, that they come back again. Lord, that's the great hope that we have. And right now, Lord, as we get ready to deal with this uh, topic uh, uh, that you've inspired me to put together, I pray that your Holy Spirit may may lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to begin today by asking a quick question, and that is, how many of you have ever been evaluated before? I mean, maybe it was your business, uh, uh, school, whatever, you've been evaluated. Well, normally when we think of evaluations, we think of... uh, somebody coming to meet with us to talk about performance. In other words, uh, a performance review. How are you doing? And sometimes, uh, if if you're not really totally 100% sure about how well you've been doing, and maybe you're a little worried that you haven't been doing well enough, uh, sometimes evaluations can make you a little nervous. And so, yeah, today... I would just like to ask this question. Suppose there was an evaluation done for us as a church. Suppose uh, someone actually looked at how we were performing spiritually, and then we got a chance to see what that would look like. What would you think of that? Are you open to that kind of thing? Are you a little nervous? How are you feeling about it? Well, today I want to do something with you and it's like uh, an evaluation, but the good news is (laughs) if there's ever been a a really, really good evaluator, the one you're going to have today is the best. And I want you to turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, um, yeah, we're going to be looking at Revelation. I know some of you uh, have come to appreciate the book of Revelation. Uh, I happen to love the book I know there are some chapters in Revelation uh, that can be a little difficult but today I don't think you'll find that in the study that we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 2 uh, we're going to be talking about the Church of Ephesus now when you think about the Church of Ephesus it was one of how many churches that John on the Isle of Patmos could see how many there was seven of them right and those seven churches are very interesting. God uh, uses, uses uh, that is, He uses uh, the churches that actually literally existed, uh, a group of people uh, during uh, the early days of, uh, let's just say, A.D. 31 to 100 uh, of the Christian church. He uses these people to illustrate, uh, to teach very important things when it comes to spiritual Uh, growth. And so, yes, the Church of Ephesus is one of seven of them. It also represents the time periods by which the Christian church went through, uh, down through the end of time. So, Let's use your, uh, uh, and let me challenge you to use your thinking cap today. Uh, How many of you remember, if you've read or studied the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3, how many of you remember what the last church was? Do you remember that? (laughs) It was none other than Laodicea. So, Laodicea actually does represent our time frame, because it's a church of the end time. But Ephesus, even though it doesn't represent necessarily that section of history that we're in, there's still some great devotional uh, thoughts that you can get from this uh, church. And so that's what I want to do with you today. It's uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Ephesus means desirable in the Greek. So this is a desirable church. If you wanted ever wanted to be a part of a really uh, fast-growing church, Ephesus was that. It started in the days of the apostles. After Jesus died, uh, this church took off. And, and so the book of Acts pretty much represents what this church started like. Uh, and so it says, These things says he... Uh, yeah that 's important to understand here the, the, the who 's talking these things says he, Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now, when you see seven golden lampstands, what comes to mind? Sanctuary. the sanctuary. Now some of you've done some study into the sanctuary before. A beautiful study, and maybe maybe you've done that uh, uh, for a series. Uh, you could take uh, a, a number of times uh, during the sermon time to talk about the sanctuary. But what I think is very interesting is when you look at the lampstands. When it comes to this context, they actually represent seven churches. The seven churches. Are are, are seven lights that God has for the world and today we just happen to be talking about the first light the first church that was lit up with his glory and that is the church of Ephesus I think it's interesting also when you look at where Jesus is (laughs) we all know that after his death after his death he went into the holy place of the sanctuary And then in 1844, October 22, he went into the most holy place. And so we find him here in this chapter. We find him in the holy place. And we find him in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And it's always important when you're looking at scripture to ask this question. And that is, what is Jesus doing? What is he doing? And so the answer is pretty obvious. He's walking in the midst of them. And maybe it takes a little imagination here. His main job is, is to make sure that these lights don't go out. (laughs) So in other words, for the church to be the light that God's called it to be, the only way that's going to happen is if Jesus does his job of keeping the light burning. Now we've all—I mean, most of us had the privilege uh, to grow up, maybe, uh, maybe in a context where you had songs that you learned. Do you remember that song, "This Little Light of Mine"? Do you remember that? When's the last time you sang that song? Well, Sing it with me. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Beautiful song, right? So Jesus, he wants us to shine. But do you remember the next part to the song? It begins with won't. What well, how does it go? Won't let Satan it out i'm gonna let it shine won't let satan it out i'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine whether you realize it or not when you were learning that song maybe for the first time that was teaching you a lot about what is going on in the great controversy (laughs) So you've got Jesus who's trying to help you to stay lit up for him. And then you have someone else. And who's he? Satan, who's trying to what? Blow out your life. Now listen to this. If Satan had his way, none of us would even be here today. (laughs) Think about that. Because do you think it makes the devil? uh, You think the devil's happy when God's people are lit up for Jesus? No way. So let me say this too. And that is, is that sometimes when you have bad stuff happen in your life, you wonder why. Well, maybe the reason is, is because Satan is not happy. The Bible says in Revelation, he knows his time is what? Short. So he's come down with great wrath. And so, as much as you and I hate suffering, as much as you and I hate pain, that's part of living in the great controversy. The devil wants to destroy you. And if he had his way, he would have done it already. That's why every time I get in my vehicle, I say a prayer, Lord, please protect me as I travel today. Because I know, I know that the devil, if he had his way... But thankfully, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so as much as the devil might want to blow your light out, if God doesn't want that to happen, it's not going to happen. So the Lord is walking in the middle, in the midst of the candlesticks, the seven golden candlesticks, Because he wants to make sure that you're going to stay lit up for him to the very end of time. Friends, today, that is good news. Because the truth of the matter is that sometimes, sometimes in the Christian life, spiritually speaking, we wonder if we're going to be able to hang in there any longer. We have those question marks. Am I going to be able to stick to it? Well, let me just tell you that what God does, yeah, is, is sometimes like you walk away from it and you say, God, you had to do that because I couldn't do it. So he makes impossible things possible in in, in the middle of tough times. So verse 2, let's continue as we look at the scripture. I know your works, your labor, uh, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. So, if this was an evaluation, and you were in the church of Ephesus, what would be your takeaway from this, his first comments? What would you get from that? (laughs) I mean, it would be like, whoa, that's pretty good, what you've been doing. Uh, so the performance review would be an A plus. You've been really staying strong for the doctrine. You've been holding holding uh, to uh, the teachings that 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 have been taught, and you've made sure that those who are false apostles, who are, who who have been found to be liars, that they're not able to have a platform. And so, in other words, it's kind of like it's time to applaud the church of Ephesus for some great work. I mean, I mean, thinking about all the things that the devil wanted to do to, to corrupt the church at this time. <laughs> these stalwarts, if you want to call them that, these people strong in the faith... Had been doing what they should do to protect the church, to defend the church. So we commend them. God commends them. Jesus commends them for that. And then in verse three, and you persevered, and and you have had patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Again. A more, uh, I mean, commendation, uh, more uh, praise or uh, affirmation uh, for what they had been doing. Now, if everything just stopped there with Ephesus, you would say Ephesus, the God's people, in the first years of the Christian church, they really had it all together. But friends, the evaluation doesn't stop, was verse 3. The evaluation moves on to verse 4. Notice verse 4, Revelation 2. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your what? Your what? First love? Yeah, that's what it says, doesn't it? You've left your first love. Wow. How could a church be doing so good in one area, but then in the most important area, be doing so bad? Oh, man. Just think about that. First love. Maybe we should ask, what does that really mean for them? Well, first love uh, you probably remember the text in First John, we love him because he first loved us. So first love? Agape? Love here? First love? Hmm. I'm afraid to tell you this, and you probably know where I'm going, but I'm afraid to, to, uh, just to I'm tell you, but I'm going to tell you, this church... They lost their love for God. That just doesn't make any sense. God's people losing their love for God. And so I looked at this and I asked the question, and you probably are asking this too how could that have happened? How could people that call themselves Christians lose their love relationship for Jesus? How could that happen? Well, today, if you have asked that question, I want to thank you uh, that you made the decision to come here today because really I believe what I'm going to share with you now will help not just us to understand why Ephesus ended up the way they did, but it will also help us to understand in our spiritual journey how the same thing, listen to me, how the same thing could happen to us. Do you hear me? And so let's unpack this a bit. What was coming to, what was what was it that was making it difficult for those people to keep their love relationship with Jesus? What was it? Well, first of all, I think all of you would agree that probably the culture, the culture in which they lived in the Ephesus time was very worldly. I think we could always argue that one. Um, Yes, there was some Christians in that town, uh, but there was a lot of worldliness that was happening. Um, Immorality, all of those things. And here's what I know, just because I live in the world today, and you do too, but here's what I know about worldliness, and that is sometimes as much as we don't want it to mess with us, stay away, stay away. Sometimes if we're not careful enough, that... That that whirliness starts to infiltrate into our minds, and so before long, it's messing with us. How many of you remember the story of uh, of uh, Lot in in Sodom? Do you remember that? Do you remember that story? He was a righteous guy, but the Bible makes it very clear that after living in Sodom, it started to mess with him, so much to the point that when the angels came to rescue him and take him out, what did he do when he was told to leave right away? What did he do? You remember this? The Bible says he lingered. Lot? You're lingering when God told you to exit right away? Why did he linger? Well, here it is. It's because the society in which he was living was messing with him spiritually. And so I suspect... That those early Christian people, which were good people, I suspect that just maybe (laughs) the worldliness, the things that they were seeing around them, started to disconnect them just a little bit. Now watch this. The devil was very clever and he's very subtle. For someone to end up (laughs) to where they were, where they lost their first love, it didn't happen overnight do you hear me a lot of times for people to drift away from god it happens with small things small steps over time and then before you before you know it (laughs) you're totally distanced from where you want to be yeah it doesn't happen instantaneously it's little small compromises that happen over time, and they, before you know it, you're thinking, what? I mean, this is not where I want to be, but that happens. It's kind of like marriage, if you know any, for those of you uh, uh, that are married today, and if you're not married, that's fine too, but but uh, yeah, sometimes you, you look at people and you ask, what happened? Uh, When they come to a point in the marriage when they can't get along anymore and and they're talking about divorce and all of that, how in the world could, could, uh, let's just say their names were uh, uh, John and Mary Doe, okay? How in the world could John and Mary Doe end up where they are, not getting along anymore? Well, a lot of times it didn't happen overnight. It was a slow, a slow downward progress that happened. And because of that, they eventually get to the point where they don't love each uh, love each other anymore. Uh, yeah yeah that's that's that happens. and so um yeah, I suspect that maybe that was playing into that. but there's another thing this is really hits home today that came to me as I studied this uh chapter and as I prepared for it. That that sometimes we don't realize can take us away, but it does sometimes. And that is, look at verse 3 again. It says they had labored, they had endured. Hmm, here's what I think could have happened. Again, this is my opinion. But that is, is they could have got so busy working for the Lord that they eventually forgot the Lord of the work. Oh, man. yeah so preoccupied with being busy that they lost their devotion for Jesus yeah that to me <laughs> could be probably the biggest reason that they lost their love for God they lost their love relationship and so no wonder Jesus says in the evaluation you've left you've left me I happen to find books on Revelation, Daniel and Revelation, very helpful when I study it. This one came out not too long ago, probably within the last five years. It's by Mark Finley. It's called Understanding Daniel and Revelation. So I had a chance to actually look and see what Mark says. And listen to this. This is very interesting. Pastor Mark is a friend of mine. This is what he says, one paragraph on page 175. He says, nevertheless, Jesus says, I have something against you. You have left your first love. And then the next word is gradually. Even in those early years, duty began to take the place of devotion. The Christians in Ephesus were working hard for Jesus. Yay, yay, yay. We love that. But at the same time, They were losing sight of the Jesus for whom they were working. They were losing their first love relationship with him. They began to think that that being busy and active was what being a Christian was all about. They were living their Christian lives as a to-do list. That's his take on it. I think he's probably right on. Why do I know that? Because sometimes in work for the Lord, you can get so busy that you don't have devotion time for him. And that can happen to anybody. It wasn't too long ago, I had an experience happen to me where the Lord helped me to realize how important this is. Hmm... I just happened to be uh, working. I was in Tennessee at that time, working as a pastor, and and life was getting incredibly busy. So busy to the point that my sweet time with Jesus, (laughs) it it wasn't as, as much as I wanted to be. And so I was going through the motions. The actions were there, but the devotion wasn't there as much as it should be. So listen to this. I just happened to be on, cruising down the road and and i wanted to talk to somebody okay and so i thought i need to call this church leader and so i i said to siri here on my phone i said siri uh call let's just i don't even remember who the name of the leader was sorry right, let's just say john smith siri calls john smith And you will never believe what Siri said in response to that. (laughs) This is what Siri said. Jesus Christ is not one of your contacts. Jesus Christ is not one of your contacts. And, And I mean, it's just like plain as day. I mean, I'm not lying to you. Siri was the voice of God for me to get back to my first love. How sad it is that I had so many friends in my phone that I would spend time with talking to and texting, but my most important friend, Jesus Christ, wasn't even one of my contacts. Can you believe that? And so that was just an eye-opening experience. That's only one thing that has happened to me that demonstrated to me that sometimes I can be like Ephesus. I can be so busy doing the work of the Lord that I don't have time for the Lord of the work. So today, I want to ask you a question. As you look at the book of Ephesus and you think about where they were, how is it with you, friend? Have you, left, have you left your first love? Have you lost your first love? What would Jesus say on the second Sabbath of the new year, 2023? What would he say about your, your love relationship with him? Hmm. Well, friends, I can tell you. The good thing is, is that Jesus, when he asked this question... He asked the question because he wants to see change happen in your life. And I think one of the biggest changes that God would want to see happen in 2023 is for us to get closer to God. Can you say amen to that? Of all the things, of all the things, and you may be even having lists, of all the things that, that need to happen in 2023, wouldn't it be good if the Lord tarries... If we come to the end of this year and say, this was the year I drew closer to Jesus than I've ever done before. Wouldn't that be sweet, right? That spiritually, I grew like I've never grown before. So if that's where we want to be at the end of the year, how do we make that happen? Well, today I'm going to introduce to you a cup. But it's not just any cup. It is a love cup. Now, when you look at a cup, you realize for a cup to be functional, it has to be what? Filled. You've got to to put something in it. Otherwise, why would you need a cup? Well, think of this today, this cup, as your heart. Think about how in order to be what God wants you to be, you need to have God in your cup. So when you spend time with God, I think you know where I'm going, what happens to your cup? You're filling it up with Him. Right? But guess what? When you don't spend time with God, and when you're trying to do other things in, in, in place of God, what happens to the cup? <laughs> you have nothing, Right? The love is not there. And so friends, you know, this is really interesting with the love cup because a while back, I had a chance to uh, go to, um, I guess you would call a marriage retreat. Uh, And and I was learning things about how to be a better husband. And and one of the things I was learning about the love cup. And I thought, man, this is such a powerful tool. a powerful message. And I thought, man, I need to make sure that if I'm going to truly love my wife, that I need to have my love cup full. And so it just happened to be that one day I had a rude awakening in my spiritual journey. I was getting busy and, uh, and I was doing things. And, and, and for some reason, again, you know, as good as, as good as it was, it wasn't the greatest thing. And that is making sure that God is my first love, my my priority. And I remember some things happening in our family. My kids were younger then, and, 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 and I remember not being very patient. I don't know if you've had those moments, in in, in, in and maybe, maybe you've had uh, times where you just, you're not patient. And then I remember saying some things that I shouldn't say. And then it was very clear that my wife could see that. And then she asked me a question. This is really funny, but it was not good at the time. I wasn't. I, I didn't want to hear it, but I needed to hear it. She could see that I wasn't being a good Mickey, and she asked this question. She said, "Mickey, have you spent time with Jesus today?" What? She could tell. Guess what? That my cup was empty. Isn't that interesting? And showed her. Her her uh, question was like a wake-up call to me. I'm so busy doing all these things that I didn't have time to fill my cup with Jesus. And so here I am. Here I'm trying to love my wife and love my kids when I don't have Jesus in my heart. And you know what? I walked away from that experience. And, and I can tell you, I haven't been perfect all the time. But I realized that if truly I'm going to be all that I should be to my dear, sweet Tamara and all that I should be to all those I serve, I need to make sure that I have time with Jesus. Because if I don't have Jesus in my heart, I'm not going to be very loving. <laughs> I'm not going to be very nice. And so that's why you. when you look at this, you've left your... Uh, yeah, you've, you've left your first love. Why that is so important is because if they're not loving God, then they won't love each other. And then it becomes the question about why is God even, why is God even keeping the light on if you are not being a light for Jesus? And so here's the thing. Jesus knew that this church needed help, and so he, he comes here in verse 5, and he gives them the prescription, uh, like the doctor. He gives them the re- remedy for their uh, lovelessness. And this is what he says in verse 5. You'll find the three R's, I call them, or Mark Friendly calls them that. The three R's, remember, is the first one. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember the spiritual time that you have with Jesus when you were really close. Obviously, for many of us, we can go back to the time uh, when we were baptized. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was baptized, it was the happiest day of my life. I had all this peace inside. And, and I, I remember those early moments of my Christian experience. And, and, and what Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus and he says to us today too, and that is to remember those sweet times you had with Jesus. You know what? That is a special moment in your life, and that was the spiritual uh, impetus for you to be where you are to be where you are today. And then the second thing, the second R is repent, repent. And this is probably something that maybe might be a little harder for some than others, but let me just make it really easy here. Repentance is a gift from God. It's a true sorrow from sin that, that you don't want to go there anymore. And so, as you think about Ephesus, uh, repentance means, you know what? I need, to, I, I need to be sorry for what has happened. And God, you're the only one that can make that happen. And so the Lord gives you that, that sorrow that, you know, in your mind, no way, I'm not going that down that road anymore. And then the last thing is to return. Return. Uh, yeah. Uh, repent and do the first works. Return to the first works. Do the things that helped you to be spiritually where you need to be. And so today, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah, it's been some 2,000 years since the church of Ephesus. But I'm going to challenge the church of Laodicea, who in a lot of ways is not, as, is not any better than Ephesus. So even though they they may have a little bit of warmth there, but you're really not hot, you're really not cold, you're lukewarm. I'm going to challenge you to go back to the time where you and Jesus had this great relationship. I'm going to challenge you to do whatever it takes to make sure that you're having that time with God. This week, it's interesting. I just happened to be visiting my mother this week, uh, living back east, and she had the Today Show on. And you probably know Jenna Bush was on. uh, She's on that program. And, and, And she was talking about reading, how in the new year we should read more often. And this is an interesting thing. She said that when it comes to reading, one thing that you need to do to be able to focus on what you're you're reading is you need to make sure you put this somewhere. Because what happens when we have this close? (laughs) Come on, church, you know it. And so, in other words, you know, Jesus says, you you know, you have your closet where you, you get close to God. guess what? Don't take your phone to your closet. Have your special time with Jesus—a special place where your phone's in the other room. Because what happens, and I'm just, maybe I'm, I don't think I'm the only one, but what happens is when I'm reading my Bible, I get a text. Now let me let me tell you this: the texts that I get are from very special people. But if that's going to cause me to miss the most important text. Are you with me? Then that's not worth it. Can that person wait? So if you put this in the other room for 30 minutes or an hour, is is the world going to fall apart? (laughs) Are you going to miss out on something uh, that you should have known? Maybe there's a chance. But most likely, if you, by God's help, with his strength, can disconnect untether yourself from technology, then you're going to be able to have that moment with Jesus so that guess what gets filled up? So when you go to the office, they're going to ask the question, why are you so happy today? And it's a Monday morning. <laughs> uh, when you go to school with your classmates, and uh, they're going to say, you look different today. Why are you different? Church, tell me, why would you be different? Because you've got your first love in the first place. And that's where it needs to be. The closer we get to the end, I believe the devil is going to invent everything that he can, not just cell phones to keep you away from Jesus. (laughs) But listen to me. At the end of the day, whose choice is it? It's your choice. And so this year, why not? Why not make this the best year of your life, spiritually speaking, because you and Jesus got closer than you've ever been before? Why not? And I know when you leave here today, it's going to take a game plan. Come up with your game plan. Figure out what it takes. Some of us have to drive to work. And sometimes you think, what are you going to do on your drive to work? Well, you know what? They do make the Bible uh, so that you can listen to it while you're driving down the road. And you can pray. I mean, you can take advantage of those those times. Friends, I don't know what works for you, but I do know one thing. And that is, in order for us, in order for us, to be able to survive spiritually this year we 're going to need to make sure that our cup's full and when jesus when Jesus is in the heart, you know what happens. it makes a difference in the world that we live in. The God that wanted Ephesus to shine brightly for him that was walking in the middle of the candlesticks that was keeping their light from burning out is the same God that's there for you today that's trying to help you to be a bright light for him in these last days. So today, I want to ask you, because I've got to close, even though Bill said I could go to 2 or 3 o'clock this afternoon, but I've got to close this. And I, I just want to ask you, normally pastors, when it comes to an end of the sermon, they ask you to raise your hand uh, for a decision. Well, today I'm just going to ask you to do this. It's very plain and simple. If you want to have your cup full with Jesus. So it's just full, it's, it's bubbling over. <laughs> Jesus love this. you remember the song? It's just bubbling over. If you want your cup to be full today, as an illustration of that, just take your hands and in prayer today, put your hands up to the Lord as a cup and asking God to fill it. Father, today with every eye closed and head bowed, Lord, we realize... We realize, Lord, that (laughs) unfortunately sometimes we can be like Ephesus and we can get so busy and we can get so wrapped up in the things of this world that we're not filling our cup. And so today, Jesus, Lord, we want to go back to that moment. We want to repent and only you can give us the gift of repentance. And we want to return to those first works, Lord. The reason that the the book of Acts is written is because the church was in love with Jesus. And we want to be those people in these last days that are so in love with Jesus that when people see us at the office, when people hear us on the phone, when they read our texts, when they see our social media, they can know that it's not us, that Jesus is shining through us. And so today, Lord, we, we put our hands up in the air. We, we cup our hands together asking that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to be, Lord, everything you intended us to be, to be bright lights. Thank you for Fort Collins today. Bless each one that's here and those that are watching online. We thank you so much for hearing our prayer today. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.